Welcome. I am a small, fuzzy, middle-aged woman, unexpectedly named Turl Kronberg. And in the very front of my brain, I have an exceptional little bit that I call the wise turtle. She is the most thoughtful, observant, and compassionate part of me. And this podcast is her platform for speaking to the world. Her aim is to try to understand the patterns of growth in the universe and use those discoveries to help us all uncover the most important, inspiring story of who we are and where we want to go as Earthlings. I hope that you enjoy her musings. Namaste. There's a story um, by, I believe, Hans Christian Andersen, could be wrong, could be misremembering, um, that I recently heard called What One Can Invent. And in the story, there's a human who wants to be a poet. And he ends up discovering that he basically has no imagination on his own. He has no ability to be creative, to take things from inspiration from the universe and recombine them in novel and interesting ways that appeal to people. Um, there's more to the story than that. It's sort of interesting, um, and I'll link to it on my blog. But the idea presented there that is that everything that has uh, everything under the sun has been invented and discovered and created already that there's nothing new to be you know discovered invented explored created whatever you have and in addition to that there are sort of people who um look at the future with a sort of doomsday apocalyptic kind of approach, thinking that the future is, you know, going downhill, everything that's, you know, all the good stuff is in the past, and human humanity is just, you know, getting worse and worse and worse over time. And then there are the people who, slightly similarly related to that, um, look at artificial general intelligence and the idea of sort of a super intelligent uh, artificial life kind of thing being able to take over and effectively replace humanity. Train! And then there are the people who um, look at artificial superintelligence, artificial intelligence, artificial life, whatever, um, general intelligence, being able to take over uh, for humanity and sort of replacing uh, 
the role that humanity plays in life and saying that we're going to be, you know, extinct soon because the computers will be able to do everything that we can do and then there'll be no purpose for us. And all of these things are sort of related, as I see it, in that they're lacking an awareness of how, as far as we can tell, as far as mainstream physics seems to be, you know, current modern mainstream physics seems to be aware that the universe is run by entropy, uh, which is chaos and randomness, uh, a pure mathematical randomness, where everything that can possibly happen does happen somewhere at some point in some time in the universe, or at least in the multiverse, depending on how you look at it. Um, originally, universe meant everything, the unified thing. And then we said, well, there's this one universe, but you know, maybe there are other universes. We see this one that we can record, but maybe there are other ones. Um, in theory, that, that all of those other ones would be collected into one universe, but it's complicated. So sometimes we call it a multiverse. And anyway, so these, these three sort of fears and worries are missing the idea that um, the process of entropy, uh, which is also evolution, which is taking simple things and breaking them down into parts and then recombining them in a different way to create something new, something never before experienced. And this is how both genes and memes work. So both information in biological organisms as well as information in just general media and ideas can change and grow and evolve. And that happens through the environment. Um, uh, someone just recently said, uh, in a group that I participate in, they, they asked, why are the flowers the colors that they are? Like, why did the flowers decide to be that color? And it wasn't so much the flowers. I mean, yes, their genes obviously did program them to be that color. But the reason why the flowers that we have now are the colors that they are now is because at some point, evolution... Um, had natural selection, which was the environment with birds and bugs and whatever else pollinated the flowers or spread the seeds one way or another. Um, the most appealing colors and designs and everything to these birds and bees and whatever else was helping the flowers propagate. Um, they picked the, the, the colors that were most appealing to them. So those were the ones that survived. Those are the ones that continued to flourish and grow and spread across the planet and become the normal flowers that we see now. You know, if the flowers were initially green and they looked just like everything else, you know, the leaves, then the birds and the bugs, you know, would be less likely to visit them because they didn't stand out and they couldn't find them to, you know, collect the pollen or eat the berries and the fruit and the seeds or whatever and spread them. So the things that were most appealing, the things that were the best for the environment that made the most sense, that fit the best, were the ones that got carried on into the future. And this is how everything evolves, um, whether it's ideas or biological things, that the environment 
chooses the best amongst them to propagate, to continue on, and to help flourish. So that's why our future tends to be more positive, more fit, evolutionarily fit than the past. But this also, this process of entropy of breaking up simple things and making them more complex than their parents, essentially, also means that diversity gets increased. Uh, there's more complexity to the universe than there was now than there was when it first started. And that will continue on. It's, it's a bell curve, as I regularly talk about the Pascal's triangle um, and its related similar sort of diagrams and, and mappings of uh, how all the different possible combinations come together and we see the what they call the normative curve or the bell curve which shows the average stuff in the middle and then shows the trailing sort of edges uh, there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and at the extreme ends of this bell curve are pure matter and pure light on the two ends, opposite ends. And, but in the middle is this combination of matter and energy um, or particles and waves or whatever you want to call it. Um, and in the middle of this, as far as I can understand, is life. That's where life exists. And because life is a, a continual sort of wobbling between a combination of matter and energy. Life is neither pure energy nor pure matter. It's the sort of messy stuff in between. And when we increase the diversity of life, as we are doing when we invent technology such as artificial life, um, as far as I know, there isn't any like serious artificial life. There might be some tiny little things that have been put together that can be called artificial life, but it, it may also still be biological life, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, clearly we don't have any huge masses of artificial life yet. Uh, but there's no reason why we can't. There's no reason why we can't use silicone instead of carbon um, and minerals instead of water to flow through the system or electricity flowing through the system instead of water, whatever. There's there doesn't seem to be any, any limitations on the combinations of kinds of matter and energy to make life. So at the point when we do likely invent artificial life or it evolves or however it comes to be that we have you know computers or robots or whatever that are intelligent in the same way that we humans are, that the current AI stuff that's called AIs is not what I consider artif—it's not what I consider intelligent at all. It's—it's it's basically just a fancy, um, dumb system. It's—it it may be slightly emotionally aware compared to like a calculator, but um, it's definitely not intelligent in a in a multi-dimensional, you know, problem-solving, being able to take in to consideration all the different perspectives or many different perspectives and sort of combine them into a, a robust um, awareness of a larger environment that you can use to problem solve. You know, you map an environment and then use that to problem solve a comp complex problem. So 
But in the future, I think we will likely have artificial life and artificial intelligence. But it makes no sense, to me anyway, and sort of systems theories why, that we would be replaced, that humans would be replaced, I should say, that, that biological life would be replaced by computers and AI and robots or whatever, because diversity is the key to a healthy system. The more different kinds of individuals you have in a system, the more capable you are of adapting to different problems and environments. For example, biological life has certain chemical and electrical and just sort of physical designs, functions that senses whatever um, interactions that when we take in matter and energy um, and process it and then put out something new, we put out something creative and that's what life is. Life is a creative force. It takes in matter or energy and then rearranges it and then outputs something new. That's procreation in a, a very general sense. And we can do that with both ideas and physical genes, um, as well as emotions, sort of artistic things, as well as culture. Um, it's not just limited to genes. These information packets can be any sort of structure. We can have information packets of genes, information packets of art, information packets of like science, technology, and information packets of whole sort of cultural norms and ideals, stories, mythology. So um, that's what life does. And each different kind of life, both on a species level and on an individual level, each individual living thing has a unique biology, whatever, structure, function, as well as a unique environment that it's you know, been in through its history. So it's collected a different set of data as well as processing that data in a different way. And that gives a different output, a different creative, expressive output, uh, procreative force, um, resulting in something novel, whether, again, it be a new biological entity or an idea or a piece of art or a cultural something or other, different from any other individual and certainly different from any other sort of general species. So if you look at what biological organisms can do, artificial life is not going to be able to do the same thing. Certainly there's a lot of overlap. I mean, there are plenty of, you know, animals that eat, for example. I mean, pretty much all animals eat, as far as I know. Um, certainly there might be some microbio something or others that uh, bacteria or something that, that don't eat sort of the same kinds of things that we eat, but, you know, they... they and, and like plants, for example, can absorb sunlight and humans and other and animals can't do that. So there, there's, there's certainly overlap, but there's also unique processes, excuse me, outputs and um, inputs that are going on in each individual and each species and each type of design. So yeah, so there's no way that artificial intelligence, artificial life, robots, um, mineral-based individuals, whatever we want to call them, 
is going to fully be able to replace biological organisms. You know, look at birds. Birds have a unique role in the ecosystem and nothing else can fill that role exactly. We can certainly make artificial birds, but they're not going to be the same. They're going to do things in a little different way and they're going to be in different environments. And so each individual contributes to the system. And again, as we evolve, um, as the system evolves and as uh, natural selection shows up and picks the best of them to reproduce more, it's not to say that they're killing off the, the things that, don't, that aren't the best. Uh, I mean, that does happen occasionally, but for the most part, you know, we all live out our natural lives, you know, even if we go extinct, you know, even if humanity, human homo sapiens goes extinct eventually, we're for the most part all going to live out our natural lives or at least our, our, you know, lucky, <laughs> when our luck runs out and, you know, we get crushed by a whatever speeding car or, you know, get some sort of fatal disease or whatever, trip and fall off a tall building accidentally. Um, but we, we generally still, we, we don't get killed off by natural selection very often. Um, it happens, but for the most part, we all live out our natural lives. And natural selection just picks the best things. Oh, another train. Wait. Natural selection just picks the best things to help reproduce more of um, than the stuff that is less useful. So even if you personally aren't the best at something um, in the whole world, you're probably the best at something locally, which is fine, and that's great. Um, and maybe the best at whatever it's sort of niche thing that you do, the, the individual who's better at it than you are, they're going to get to reproduce more than you do, um, just by natural selection. But that doesn't mean that your life is worthless or anything. That just means that, you know, you don't, your particular set of genes don't end up getting passed on um, as a whole. Or half, I guess, really. <laughs> Since it's only half of your genes that get passed on. And the same thing with memes. Everything evolves is in a combination. Again, it's, this is entropy. Is the, the parents get split up. Their, their sets of information get split up and recombined, uh, taken apart, and then parts of those get recombined into new and more complex things, which are the children, the offspring. And this happens, again, with genes and art and ideas and everything. So it's, it's a process of continuing to add complexity and continuing to make new things. And as such, parts of you always go on, but parts of you that are less useful get left behind. And so we're all kind of a little bit immortal. Um, just parts of us are immortal or at least extremely long-lasting. And the best of us is what continues on. 
and the best of us is what we want to put forward and to put out into the world because that's what makes the world better and that's what makes us worthwhile existing right you know we want to we want to have a meaningful life that we made an impact that we made change this is what life is life is about doing work making a change in the in the very scientific sense of doing work of actually changing something and affecting an outcome and making something um, new and different and you know having an effect on the world and ideally it's a positive effect and so when we put our best parts of ourselves out there uh, that helps everybody that helps us and that helps the world and that helps the system and that's why the future is always likely to be better than the past uh you know not in any specific you know instant you know things go up and down this isn't this isn't perfection of reality this is simply um growth it, it's simply a not ideal mythology perfection of static things it's just a growth towards a, a more connected system a system that is more, you know, fit. Uh, natural selection makes uh, survival of the fittest. And that doesn't mean, like, physically fittest. That means most useful for the whole system and offering the most diverse and useful options for when problems are presented. So that life survives in as many different venues as possible, whether that's underwater or in the trees or on land or in outer space or on Mars. We're going to continue to adapt and grow life as a whole, that stuff in the middle of the bell curve, while the stuff on the edges still exists, the boring, simple stuff of pure matter and pure energy and the stuff that's very similar to that, like planets and suns, will all still exist. Um, but just adding more and more complexity in the middle. And that's why all of these three individuals of the, you know, everything under the sun has already been invented, explored, and created, and there's nothing new for me to do in the world, and similar related AI taking over, and there's nothing, there's going to be nothing for humans to do in the world. And then, of course, just the general doomsday sayers of, you know, humanity is is a lost cause and we're just getting worse and we're hopeless. You know, all three of these are missing that element of the fact that we do evolve, that life does evolve. Physics has this entropy process of taking the things that exist now apart and making new things with the parts and rearranging them so that there's a continual increase of interesting and beautiful and amazing and delightful stuff that we can create and explore and discover in the universe as time goes on. And yes, individuals die, but the best parts of those individuals get picked out by natural selection, by the environment, to get reproduced and put out there more and more, whether that's genes or art or ideas or culture, whatever. Um, so the future will always be more interesting. The story of the universe just keeps getting more and more creative and, and you know, something that we want to 
care about and we want to pay attention to and we will find exciting as we go on. Again, this isn't perfection. This isn't perfect ecstasy or bliss. You know, this isn't a myth. This is reality. This is with its ups and downs and, and conflict and confusion. But overall, as things evolve, as entropy moves on, the system gets more and more diverse and each individual puts out more and more of their best stuff and the environment selects that best stuff to continue pushing forward and procreating in whatever way. And so things just keep getting better and better and better. As far as I can see it, that seems like what the math and what the physics and what the science says. You may disagree, and that's great. Um, I would love to hear it. If you have other ideas or if you see other physics, um, you know, I'm not 100% convinced that entropy and this whole evolution are all of everything, the be-all, end-all of the calculation that creates the universe. But um, it seems like the most useful theory that I've heard so far and that seems to have predicted everything so far that I've looked at. But if you have other ideas, I'd love to hear them. Um, anyway, if you'd like to contact me, um, you can find me on uh, email. My email is thewiseturtle at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-I-S-E. T-U-R-T-L-E at G-M-A-I-L dot com. You can also find me on Reddit, um, which I am on less these days because I have a lot less access to resources overall, including internet right now. But I do check in as often as possible, usually every day on Reddit. Um, and my username there is my real name, which is Turl, T-U-R-I-L. And so if you go to reddit.com slash user slash turl, T-U-R-I-L, you can find um, at least my posts. They've rearranged things so you don't actually see my comments there. There's a way to get my comments, but um, it's a little complicated. And I I think it's overview. If you do reddit.com slash turl slash user slash turl slash overview, I believe that's what it is, but don't take my word for it. Um, you can actually see all my comments and posts. But um, if you go to user Turl, you'll find me and you can also look for my communities, Holistic Enchilada, W-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, Enchilada, and also This Examined Life or The Examined Life uh, communities where you're very much welcome to post uh, or comment or just read. And um, I'm not so much on Twitch these days. I would love to stream at some point again, uh, but right now it's an extra challenge. I'm having a hard enough time doing these podcasts. But um, I, if you want to at least go to Twitch and subscribe to me, uh, my username there is Turl Kronberg, T-U-R-I-L-C-R-O-N-B-U-R-G. Um, and if you follow me, it'll at least let you know when I'm streaming. Um, also, if you check uh, YouTube, I mean, um, sorry, uh, <laughs> Twitter and Instagram, I am also Terl Kronberg on both of those. Um, you can find me there. And I usually post a little bit here and there on those um, and sometimes give a heads up if I am going to go on Twitch in the future. I'll probably post it on Twitter at least. 
And anyway, uh, I would love to hear from you if you want to contact me at all. And if not, I wish you a little bit of curiosity and exploration of all of the things that are changing right now, all of the things that are entropy is dividing up and recombining into novel and new individual biological things and art and ideas and cultural whatevers. Um, and I hope you have fun exploring those and I wish you lots of joy in doing that. Namaste.